Until the horrific attacks in July 2011 in Oslo and on that Norwegian island filled with young campers, the world tended to think of the Scandinavian countries as perfectly peaceful, well-ordered societies, where the gloom of a long winter might be the hardest part of living there. But every country has its challenges, and in Sweden and Norway, local authors have been bringing attention to social issues through their fiction, and people are paying attention. Stieg Larsson's bestseller, The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, is a big hit in Europe and North America. And it's helped to propel a genre of Scandinavian crime fiction that's found an audience worldwide. Joining us to explore this trend are two guides to the region. Lisa Rybloom specializes in guiding American visitors through Norway, and Ilva de Silva is a tour guide based in Sweden. Lisa and Ilva, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thanks, Rick. Now, Ilva, you Swedes are, by most measures, the most content people on earth. This is the land of the most compassionate and socialistic of all the capitalist governments and so on, yet you're also the land of brutal crime fiction. What's going on? I would say that it's an easy way to make money for writers because crime fiction sell. That's the easy So that's the bottom answer. line. Swedish writers know how to yes, write a popular yes. novel. Actually, we have a couple... They are married to each other, a man and a woman. And they write, they are writers. No one bought their books. They are serious, uh, well, traditional writers. And then they decided that they wanted to earn some money as well as Stig Larsson and Henning Mankel and all the others. So they wrote a book together, a crime fiction, and they now are living in a big flat on Strandvägen, the fanciest block in Stockholm, and... Um, I understand Stieg Larsson last year was the second best-selling author in the entire world. Yes. It's quite amazing. Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. And it's sort of juxtaposed with this idyllic society. I mean, blood in the gutter of Baghdad is terrible, but a bloodstain on a pristine snowbank in the Swedish countryside, that's really creepy. Lisa, what's, what's your take on this? Well, I think that one thing that makes the books compelling is exactly that, the setting. It's a land that is covered in darkness for a large chunk of the year. Um, it's cold. It's the kind of society where people keep secrets, maybe aren't as um, open. It's the kind of place where people watch well, each people other. Are, on the surface, everybody's maybe, happy and content. That's true. They're uh, maybe somewhat reserved on the outside. And so it's a good atmosphere for crime fiction, I think. Sweden does have relatively high suicide rates. Does that relate to any sort of deep-down problem in Swedish society that might be showing itself psychologically, Ilva? Well, we actually do not. That's a myth. Oh, really? Rick, okay. Yes. May I kill sure. that? Sure. Kill that myth. Yeah. Okay, so Sweden does not have a... No, but we are very good on statistics, and we are not Catholics. So um, it's not like in other countries where it's really a sort of a shame if a relative commits suicide. So... I mean, if somebody... In many Catholic countries mainly, if um, your child commits suicide, you say it was an accident or he was sick. Mm -hmm. But in Sweden, if it is a suicide, it's registered as a suicide. Right. So actually the suicide rate is the same all around the world. Okay, so it depends on how people are reporting on it and how they're defining yeah. it maybe. Yeah. Okay, so that's good to put that to rest. What about the notion that Scandinavian general, Sweden in specific, is much safer? The, the statistic I read, in the United States there are 56 murders per million people. In Sweden there are only 10 murders per million people. So you're five or six times less likely to, to be murdered in Sweden. 
Yes, definitely, and killed okay. in traffic accidents. And uh, so Sweden's a very safe place. Maybe that's very... maybe that's why a crime thriller is such a titillating thing. I, I think that's exactly right. One of the statistics I've seen is that the worldwide murder rate is seven per one hundred thousand people annually. In the United States, that number is more like five per 100,000, and the Scandinavian countries are all right about one per 100,000. So this is a way for them to explore something that isn't very familiar, or, or maybe to say, this does exist. It doesn't exist as much as it does in this book, but isn't that interesting to look at things that um, don't happen all the time? And dream up really fancy murders mm-hmm. and all sorts of mm-hmm. uh, incredible mm-hmm. schemes. I mean, that's what uh, a lot of literature is. It's fantasy. So maybe you're uh, looking at uh, your society in a slightly different way and imagining the dark underbelly that you don't see as a regular part of life. For Stig Larsson, it was definitely... He wanted to make eye-openers for us Swedes. He didn't write these three books for you. He wrote them for us. So he Girl with the Dra- Dragon Tattoo is written primarily for his Swedish audience. Definitely. He was a journalist and he was a, a man with his heart on the left side and he wanted to sort of show what is wrong in the Swedish society now. It's a trilogy. Yes. Uh, the Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. There's three novels, all by Stieg Larsson, mm-hmm. and they all have this cyberpunk sort of sleuth, uh, Lisbeth Salander. Yes. That's a, How would you she, describe her? Um, well, <laughs> I would say that she's a grown-up Pippi Longstockings. A grown-up Pippi Longstockings. Yes. Mm. She's not very well functioning in the society. She don't have a father nor a mother. She's very lonely. She's disturbed. She has um, some... Uh, now, that's um, interesting. Pippi has a very big sack of money that she has, and mm-hmm. Lisbeth also manages to create a very large fortune for herself through the course of the stories. She rides a motorcycle where Pippi rode a horse. She's extremely strong, Stronger, though she's tiny. That's right. Tiny strong and for her, a tiny mm-hmm. mite. Remind us, Pippi Lonstocking, who wrote that? Give Ost- us some background. Astrid Lindgren is the author. And that's uh, a big Swedish. deal in Sweden. Mm-hmm, very much a beloved author. So Pippi Longstocking grows up, pierces her nose and gets a few tattoos and gets involved in all these incredible crimes. Ilva, you lead tours, actually, around Stockholm based on the trilogy by Stieg Larsson. Tell us about those. Um, They are arranged by the City Museum of Stockholm because it it has to do with copyright and um, how Stieg Larsson's father and brother want these tours to be made and it's all about money, actually, in the end of it. But So we are some few authorized Stieg Larsson guides and we start uh, at Bellmansgatan 1 that is where Mikael Blomqvist lives and then we walk we pass a lot of important places on one of the Stockholm islands and that is the island where all the good guys live mm-hmm. Södermalm it's the old working class area Södermalm yes so all the bad guys they live in the former upper class area Östermalm Östermalm. Mm-hmm. So Södermalm is the south district, Östermalm is the east district, yes. working class, aristocratic class. Definitely. Okay. So Mikael Blomqvist, this um, journalist, he's living there, of course, as well as uh, this grown-up Pippi Longstockings, Lisbeth Salander. So we pass her former home at Lundagatan, and then we continue. We pass the office of Millennium, and then we end the tour where she bought a really fancy flat when she got that big 
bag of golden coins Lisa told you about. These it's are all also, fictitious, really, all based on the characters in, in the Stieg Larsen. It is, but novel. we do actually mix in a little bit of Stockholm history. Now, and who takes these tours? Is it mostly Swedes? No, mostly foreigners. And among really? the foreigners, you can judge who is really fascinated by Swedish crime fiction by who takes your tour, perhaps. Yes, a How would you analyze of, that? Who takes uh, the tour? I wouldn't say that it's specifically one not nationality, one. but but not only Americans. from the whole, no, from no. the whole world. So this is a global phenomenon. It is, it is, and it has been translated to, poof, I don't know how And maybe many that's languages. why Stieg Larsson is selling so many books. They're selling all over the planet. <laughs> yes. <laughs> now, this is part of a larger trend. I understand at Harvard there's even a course right now for undergraduates called Scandinavia 65, Crime, Power, and Politics in Contemporary Scandinavian Culture. Mm -hmm. There's also an academic at the University of Washington who's written a a book on it recently and another small college in the Midwest that's offering a class on the subject. Ilva, tell us just a little bit about Stieg Larsson. What happened to him and has he had a lasting impact on Sweden? Mm, he, He was a journalist, so he wrote his whole life without making any money. And um, he was a member of the Communist Party in Umeå, the city up in the north of Sweden. And he was always fighting uh, against racism, neo-Nazi party fractions and things like that. And that was what he wrote about in a news magazine he had called Expo. But then um, he decided that he also wanted to Make make some money. So he wrote the crime thriller. So he wrote three really thick books about... Lisbeth Salander and Mikkel Blomqvist, and he went to the publisher. And they were, of course, very happy when they got three books, and he said, I can write seven more about them. So it was supposed to be, or it was meant to be, ten books, and then he suddenly died. He got a massive heart attack one day at the office, Mm -hmm. smoking too much. Nothing mysterious about it. No, nothing. Nothing, no mystery, no No. intrigue, no crime thriller The only thing was that the lift was broken that day. And the office ah, is on the seventh floor. So he go. had to climb all the stairs and with that There's bad the condition. For the next yes. book. I, I actually think a lot of people thought Stieg Larsson's death was a crime. It could have fit into a crime novel and it and it actually Only is there Americans. Any question? Many Americans ask me on tour what the story is behind his death as if it were a crime, but it it very much wasn't. Well, of course not. So but uh, the, our mindset is that he couldn't possibly have uh, died a natural death. So, Lisa, your your family's Norwegian. You've lived in Norway. Of course, we're talking about a Swedish um, author, Stieg mm-hmm. Larsson. Mm-hmm. Is this a phenomenon that is unique to Sweden, or is it kind of spreading all over Scandinavia? Well, I have another favorite author who is Norwegian, Joe Nespo, and uh, his books are all set in Oslo. They're also doing um, Joe Nespo's Oslo tours, much like the Millennium Tours in Sweden. I also happen to know... Um, some people who've recently bought a small bed and breakfast in a small town where uh, some of the action takes place in these books. So they've relocated to take advantage of uh, some of the touristic possibilities based on the books. So are authors in Scandinavia, because of their idyllic, peaceful, but still quirky and a little bit secretive environment, are they better equipped to write a great thriller, great crime thriller? Hmm. What do you think, Lisa? I don't know about the, if they're better equipped. Uh, one thing I've noticed about both uh, Larson's novels and Joe Nespos is that they tend to um, critique their society through this popular form of fiction. They are often featuring characters who are on the fringes of what you might think of as Scandinavian society. I can think of two real-life 
tragedies in Scandinavia in the last generation. The assassination of Olaf Olaf Palme, the charismatic prime minister of Sweden, and the horrific murder in Norway recently of all the children of a lot of political leaders. Can you draw any conclusions in in real life today? What's going on in Scandinavia that way? How did Norway respond to the recent killings? How did Sweden respond to the assassination of Palma? Well, the assassination of Palma is still a mystery. We don't know why or actually who did it. So Right. Did that change Sweden? Because that Definitely. was a time when the prime minister could walk down the street with no guard at all. Yes, and, and that was what it is. You'd see Palma, there's the prime minister mm. sitting next to you in a theater. Yes, so that has changed, unfortunately. Right. Uh, we still see our prime minister out walking, but with um, bodyguards. With bodyguards. That's a big change it's, and an unfortunate um, thing. In Norway, sad. what happened after the, the terrible assassination there well, in Norway? It's really caused a great deal of self-reflection about who they are. Um, I think it was a real shock to realize that this terrorist attack came from within their society. The person who was responsible for it is a is a Norwegian man with uh, strong nationalistic and racist sentiments. And they're really uh, looking at themselves and trying to understand how could that come about from a society that values equality. Because Scandinavia works so hard to be inclusive and works yes. so hard to be a, a comfortable place for immigrants to assimilate. That's right. Yet there are elements in the society that are threatened by that and fearful of That's immigration, right. and especially in a society that is so open and unguarded. And there's been a renewed commitment to that uh, aspect of society. And that's what's inspiring to me, both uh, after Palma and after uh, the Norwegian tragedy. The society sort of did their very best not to become guarded and behind bars and, and with everybody locked up, that's right. but to still be open and to still be free, even if once in a while that has uh, some that's tragic right. consequences. That's right. I mean, it may be slightly naive, but I was amazed that even the day after the attack. The security measures around uh, the cities were not measurably different. Um, the trains kept running. Everything seemed to function as normal. Of course, it was a terrible tragedy, but I didn't feel locked down mm-hmm. even just weeks after. And in other societies, you may have been actually locked down after True. some tragedy like that. Ilva, you you spend a lot of time and make part of your living taking people on these Stieg Larsen walks. As you walk on your tour with your tourists through Stockholm and you point out different, you know, places relating to the girl with the dragon tattoo. What can we learn from that today about Swedish society? What gives you a sense that you're actually sharing some meaningful information with these travelers? Maybe since I said earlier that we pass the apartments of Mikkel Bunkvist and Lisbeth Salander, and they are sort of still alive. So they are alive. The characters that inspired those people? They represent parts of of Sweden? Yes, and we do actually show his flat. We point at the windows and we say, up there he lives. But this is a fictional person that represents a part of Swedish society. Mm -hmm. And they are still alive in a way. Lisa, how has this whole (laughs) phenomenon of Scandinavian crime fiction just changed uh, how we look at Scandinavia? I think it cracks open that idea that it's always perfect and idyllic, um, that everything is perfect and everyone is taking care of it. It... It makes us realize that even their society has criminals, it has shady characters, it has people who want to profit off the misery of other people. The stories are really just a lot of fun, too. They just are a lot of fun. They're fun. They're fun to me. Have you seen the movie? Uh, I've seen all three of the Swedish films, Ah. but I haven't seen the American film And as an aficionado of this, what did you think of the movies? 
Well, I love them because I love to see the locations yeah. in Scandinavia, in Sweden. I like to see my Scandinavian relatives kind of impersonated in this yeah, uh, in this yeah, guarded yeah. but open yeah. but intriguing society. Yeah. Ilva, have you seen the movie? Yes, all of the Swedish. All the Swedish course, movies. But also the Hollywood version, and it was excellent. How was really. the Hollywood version compared to the Swedish version for you as a as, Swede? As good. As, as good. good. That's very as nice. good. Yeah. And Daniel Craig is a lot better looking than Mikael Nyqvist. All right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So better. So you like the the casting really well in the Hollywood. Yes, and it was also filmed in Sweden, in Stockholm, Uppsala. Do you know, can I just say one thing that you said about um, Stieg Larsson and, and the work he did in, in his own life with the magazine mm-hmm. on the neo-Nazis. It's interesting to me that what shows up in the fiction is still a very much a crusading attitude toward changing those aspects of Swedish society because he writes about problems that he sees in society and suddenly those problems are highlighted and they can reach more people than his magazine work. Yes, and that is actually what I said when I said that he wrote them for us as ah. eye openers. Mm-hmm. So he wrote them with a with an agenda. Definitely. Mm-hmm. What was his Definitely. agenda? Then? To make us see these problems with um, these neo-Nazi parties with um because drugs the victims also because there is in the second book I think the plot is about a motor bicycle gang and they deal with drugs and prostitutes. I think they're really using their fiction, their popular fiction, to shine lights on serious issues, uh, problems that they that they are dealing with. I mean, the racism and human trafficking and drugs problems that do exist, even though we, we might think they don't because we're the social safety net is so good. Okay, so basically reminding Scandinavians... Everybody may think we live in a utopia, but we do not. Mm-hmm. Or maybe showing the world. Lisa Rybloom, Ilva da Silva, thanks so much. My pleasure. Tusen tack. Tack så mycket. Varsågod, tack så mycket. Tack så mycket. Varsågod. Watch your back. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Each year, Rick Steves tour guides take free-spirited travelers on escorted tours through Scandinavia, the Baltics, and beyond, one small group at a time. This year, you can choose from three dozen exciting itineraries covering the best of Europe from Oslo to Istanbul, Paris to St. Petersburg, and practically everywhere in between. For a free catalog and Rick's Tour Experience DVD, visit our tour pages at ricksteves.com. <laughs>